da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. So we are officially in Oscar season, guys. Or if not, we're officially in Oscar bait season. <laughs> yeah. Tonight being the first official night, we get to talk some Oscar bait for 2016. Right. Some official, Man. I guess you could call it Oscar bait, right? Yeah. Who would have thought middle school, the worst years of my life, I come out swinging like that? I could that. not I'm believe s- how so impressed. Like intelligent the performances were. And I, yeah. I mean, I'm using that word intelligent because it's a movie about middle school. But, I mean, it's so intelligent the way that yeah. it's crafted. <laughs> Uh, cinematically, thematically, what it um, means, both like obviously, and then obviously in the subtext. And and it's true. I don't think it's gonna yeah. get like a best picture nomination, but no, I feel of course like not. It's, but screenplay, direction, screenplay, actor, yeah. For sure. yeah Speaking so, of, of subtext, Richard, uh, mm. it was true that the middle school was the worst years of my life. So they were accurate there. Kent, but, you and I went to middle school together, though we, we were in different grades, right? Yeah. Hence, worst years of my life. Yeah. We did. <laughs> What's your favorite bit from when you and I were uh, in youth together? Because a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know. Like you said, we did grow up together, Richard. You and I. And I did grow up together. <laughs> this is a Kent Garrison joint here. Um, I was just an actor in in his uh, in his play, but we would. He found out one day that at the time they were releasing. If you if you buy a pack of Skittles to this day. Um, there's the word Skittles on them, and then there's a dot on the eye and Skittles, and it's it's an actual Skittle. But for a long time, they didn't have that. They just had, yep. uh, uh, squ- it basically said Squittles with no eye. And so Kent decided we should, they have a customer. First off, for any adolescents that are calling us, and I know it's different with caller ID and, and stuff, but nothing is funnier than calling like 1-800 lines on really random things you buy in snack machines and just seeing how long you can stay on the phone with them. <laughs> so Kent came up with the idea of we should call Skittles and just, you know, go just say how long. So I came up with this character named Jeff Carnegie. And Kent, how did I spell how did we spell his name? There's a lot of apostrophes in there. Uh G E So Carnegie's kind of a hard name to spell. So I would call Skittles and they would say I would say, Hi, my name is Jeff Carnegie. And they would say, Okay, how do we spell that? And I would say <laughs> Obviously, referring to Carnegie, and I would say G E O F apostrophe F. I would never spell out Carnegie. That always made us laugh really hard. And then uh, they would forward us to this poor, poor, poor soul, Laura, who worked at the Skittles hotline. And Kent what a gig, by the pre- way, if you can get it. I mean, <laughs> we pretended we worked with the Better Business Bureau. Um, and we were really outraged. We'd received a lot of complaints by the fact there wasn't a dot on the eye on Skittles. And we, Laura just calling to get an update. This is just, hey, look, I understand you're doing your job, but you got to understand I'm just doing mine. And, and and then it would always end with I would ask Kent to make me a hot pocket, <laughs> and then it would burn me horribly. And I, Jonathan, Jonathan, this hot pocket is too hot. Too hot! Minute and a half! And we were screaming about the hot And we did that every day for like nine minutes. And she would, she knew when we would call. It was every day, it was class period. So it was like every day at 10.43 a.m. <laughs> in the geometry class, we would call 
and uh, ask for her and then complain about Skittles. And then I would, burn. we didn't, we weren't, we didn't have a whole lot of like, um, long story short, Richard. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> long, no. long story short, the, uh, you have us to thank for the Skittle that dots the eye on Skittles because <laughs> but we, we called for a solid year for that. Bit. It was the exact same sketch every day for nine months to where we got really good at it to where she would play a part in the sketch. Like she understood that we would call every day at this time. She'd be like, hello, Jeff. <laughs> Laura. <laughs> Laura, how are you? We were like sing to each other and stuff. Yeah. It was glorious. So big shout to Laura. I hope you're doing well. I miss you. So regardless to say, this is why Kit and I do a, a <laughs> movie podcast instead of having like a, you know, we, we have decent Productive careers, but this life. is why we're not like right. killing it. In the world of trade, of Carter, because this is we spent uh, our education doing this. Yeah, this is quite the endorsement for the academic prestige of Fort Worth Christian School here in North Texas. I don't know where you're talking about. All right, so Oscar bait talk. I don't know how I got on that tangent, but I love it. Um, it was great. It was fun. A little inside baseball, I guess, for you. Um, so we got a lot to talk about tonight. A lot of trailers dropping, a lot of news happening, some shout-outs to give. We have a guest joining us later to talk The Girl on the Train, which I am excited for the guest because um, it is a friend of Brian's who we have heard a lot yeah. about and uh, has not made an appearance yet on the show. And I feel like all of the people yeah. in Brian's entourage need to at least make one appearance because <laughs> they're all very intelligent people who have a lot to say and a lot of good thoughts on the show. So, Can I have a breaking news for you guys? Yeah. This is serious breaking news to both of you. I had about an hour and 20 minute phone call with producer Steven tonight. Oh, and he's ready. Yes. The producers yes. often don't make appearances on the show as a guest. You know, they're just mm-hmm. kind of behind the scenes producing. Um, mm-hmm. But we can make a rare occasion where he is a full, has a full segment on the show. And I, Hey, I'll bring up the topic and I suggest guys, OJ Simpson, and O.J. Simpson uh, Made in America and O.J. Simpson People versus O.J. Mm-hmm. Uh, combined I'm episode in. with producer Steven. Um, I promise you, listener, uh, <laughs> you're going to want to block out four hours of your day for that one. <laughs> That's going to be one you're not going to want to. And we're in. probably going to attack on some Batman versus Superman on that because let me just tell you guys, he has thoughts. <laughs> and, oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it it might be. Look, listeners, thank you for sticking with us over the years. We are three or four years into this endeavor. We couldn't be more thrilled with the success and, and listenership we have. But when we get producer Steven on here, you're going to think we are giant piles of garbage. You're going to see real entertainment. Am I right, guys? I mean, yeah, I that know. may be the last episode that we do on yeah, our own. Everybody's just going to jump to Steven immediately. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin. Lots to talk about, guys. A lot of movie news. Um, but we do have some shout-outs to give, Brian. If you would like to bring those to the table and shout them yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, we've got two listener donations that we need to shout out that we picked up over the last uh, couple of weeks. And if you are interested in, in donating to the show, you can find that link on our website. Um, promise the money's not making us rich. It just helps us keep this show on the air and, you know, buy movie tickets and things like that. So uh, our, our good friend Joel Pixler... And, uh, and and our other good friend, Bryce Morita, I believe is how you pronounce it, have both donated over the last couple of weeks. And huge shout-outs to those guys. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, 
really makes us uh, feel like we might actually be good at what we're doing, at least on the base level for 20 seconds. So not thanks, only guys, do really they great. donate, Brian, they also email, keep in touch with us. Yeah, talk on Twitter, and uh, we're always conversing about movies and things like that. We always love that, regardless of whether you donate. So send us your thoughts, send us your top ten lists. We love all that stuff, mm. and uh, we love interacting with you, the listener, and uh, just enjoying the conversation as a whole. I, I like to continue the conversation off air about a lot of this, a lot of this stuff. So I really appreciate Absolutely. it. It's good. And Twitter's great because it's quick kind of messaging back and forth. And every, so many people are on Twitter, especially people that, that listen to podcasts. But not to be too much of a throwback here, but we all three really love the email. The email's on the website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. It's madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com if you just want to email us. And we've had some great discussion with so many listeners. And it's so nice to kind of talk back and forth in sort of a longer form. And I think I speak for both of you guys and, and stop me if I'm wrong. The emails are fantastic and we love them all. We can never get enough. So please email us madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com or you can find the uh, the form um, at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And, and Twitter is obviously great. We can go back and forth there. But uh, but it's it's, you know, when you're talking about movies or culture and things, it's nice to have a little more room. And and that, oh, yeah. that email is always great for all of us. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Thanks for that, and uh, you're welcome for the shout-out, and we have a lot more coming your way. New t-shirt, guys, is coming up, too. We sold out at the nice. other one. We appreciate that, and the new one is coming. And so look out for that uh, coming for the holiday season. How about that? All right. So, movie news to talk about. Um, trailers, big-time trailers. Um, anticipated New York Comic Con this past week. I guess that's become a kind of a place... Maybe not up to par of San Diego, obviously, is in terms of big time uh, celebrity sightings and things. But they do tend to mm-hmm. announce a lot of stuff at New York Comic Con, just because New York uh, is right there. A lot of these corporate headquarters are right there, and they can really show out and just kind of premiere things and kind of get a buzz with the executives and everything, um, rather than you know getting the entire cast together for all these uh, trailer drops and everything that they do. But um, one trailer drop that uh, made headlines, I guess, in maybe positive and negative ways. I don't know about your opinion of it, but soft reboot, official kind of reboot, movie reboot of Power Rangers uh, coming to us worldwide. Yeah, it's coming everywhere. Beware. So there's nowhere (laughs) we can really hide from this. I've already looked into it. Trust me. Um, Worldwide, mind you, Power Rangers reboot. Um, this this was fine. I was kind of down for this idea when it was announced, and when I think we had talked about it previously in movie rumblings in, in episodes past. But as of now, after seeing this, I'm just like, oh, that's Whoa. what it is. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. How do yeah. you how do you guys come down on this as far as keeping an open mind? I I think that's one of the worst trailers I've ever seen. Like that, I was not a Power Rangers guy. You y'all were a little bit younger than me, so you may have caught the uh, the Power Rangers uh, the the target market. I was a little bit too old for it when it when it hit. And so I've never been a big fan. It I, might be perfect. I was like a year too old for Power Rangers and Barney. Okay, I was so I was okay. super super into Mighty Morphin probably in first grade. Okay. Sure. Probably right. that's that, probably that like sounds season VR one. Troopers. I was season team one VR of Troopers, Mighty Morphin was probably uh, was probably 
exactly in, during the peak. I mean, I was probably into Power Rangers for probably a year and a half or two years, maybe, of my childhood. Okay. And that was about I first remember, to second grade. Sure. I remember when the commercials for it were coming out, and I was really excited about it. It looked pretty cool. And the first episode, I was like, oh, no, 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 this isn't I, – okay, this is not good. This is not for me. And I, I don't remember what grade I was in, but I was too old for it. I think it was probably like fourth or fifth grade. No, you were uh, – you were – junior or senior in college i think <laughs> yeah I oh that's that, right but... that's right yeah uh, sorry i was working you're on working on your first bachelor's yeah. <laughs> right right uh of many many bachelors i'm you're very like, this well isn't up to beetleborg standards <laughs> <laughs> big bad beetleborgs richard big bad. get it right okay rank them power rangers vr troopers and beetleborgs because i think vr troopers is Kind of underrated, for, kind of more artsy, kind of the Star Trek of the two. You know, it's kind of more intelligent and holds up with all the VR going on now with the, you know, Oculus Rift and everything. Now might be the time for VR Troopers reboot. I'm just throwing it out there. Let's see if it happens. I remember it. I it came on before Power Rangers, right? Or yeah, right before it on a lot of um, through a lot of my childhood. But I didn't didn't often catch it, but I'd never miss Power Rangers. Having said that. This Such um, this is a different take on it. I'll say that. Um, sure. Not what I kind of expected. I honestly thought they would go darker with this. Uh, mm-hmm. They really seem to have gone kind of Michael Bay. Uh, if you were to make Michael Bay for eight-year-olds, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it feels kind of right. Which was my Tumblr title, but yeah, it, it feels very Nickelodeon movies, which. Uh, you know, I'm a person having recommended, I think, the last uh, Ninja Turtles movie, but that was kind of a, definitely a, the most dark take you could have ever taken on Ninja Turtles. So um, I don't think this is at all with Power Rangers. It's definitely a washed down version of it, which kind of confuses me because if you're kind of going for that mass appeal, why is it so young in a lot of it? And why aren't you, why, why aren't your characters, you know, late teens, at least, you know, early twenties, college age, even, um, for this, maybe they're trying to reboot it for 13 year olds to get into power Rangers again. But like I yeah. said, I liked power Rangers when I was in first grade. So I was like seven, maybe I just think that this isn't going to make kids think power mm-hmm. Rangers are cool again in high school. We'll be wearing, I, don't, I just don't, I don't see it yeah. from this property. Maybe if it was a little older, maybe if it was like a Batman Begins kind of a thing and uh, the Power Rangers were older and they had found their own ways and they come back together kind of a thing and you could still reboot it that way without maybe doing this origin kind of a thing and uh, Breakfast Club meets um, Fantastic Four meets yeah. Chronicle. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to think with pretty it, sweet music being, sc- music though. I gotta admit, it was sweet cover. <laughs> it was the worst thing. It was the, the walk the line acapella. I keep my eyes wide open. I was like, what does this have to do with Power Rangers in any <laughs> sense? None of these lyrics mean anything. That's going. I mean, at least you know you can use a song like I, I think they used what Radiohead in the Social Network trailer, and it was all about being. Uh, a freak and nobody likes you and everything. And it was going along with what was happening in the trailer. It's like a actually fits. This doesn't fit what was even happening. It's just kind of like, Oh, that song, that sounds cool. You know, kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. And I I just hate 
it's a cliche for the sake of being a cliche. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. we really need yeah. a slow version cover song of some kind to throw on the top of this. And they got it. Um, I and I'm know. pissed because I produced, as you know, both now, I produced a Paramore cover of Folsom City Blues, and I'm just kind of... <laughs> Because yeah, I mean, as you guys know, I worked really hard on that. So I don't know. Stuff happens, but whatever. (laughs) There is um not a lot else I can say about this. I'm kind of disappointed. I mean, what what the heck are you doing, Cranston? Like, what what the heck are you doing? I know Elizabeth Banks Banks, too. I don't. I just y'all don't have to do these movies. You really don't. I mean, straight. Cash. Yeah, straight cash. I know. Cranston is riding that train hard right now, and I get it. Like he was a, you know, st- basically a struggling character actor for thirty years before he really broke. So I guess you got to make up time. But man, this, uh, this is way well beneath you, friend. By the way, he plays Zordon. For those of you yeah. who haven't heard out there, and uh, I'm just waiting for Alpha, guys. When is Alpha? Where are we gonna see Alpha? More Alpha. Alpha. More Goldar in Alpha. Bad news. Um, I hate to tell you guys this, and and this hurts me from the bottom of my soul, but um, Channing Tatum is Alpha. Oh, no. I just want to see if you would believe me. No, he's not. I just want to see if you would believe me. I know. Too busy trying to make Gambit. Wouldn't surprise me. He kind of shows up places that we never expect. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I just want to know yeah. why the entire trailer, it seems like the majority of it is like, I really love Fantastic Four. How can I do a riff on that? And that yeah, doesn't that seem so like a, the best way to make a movie, to be honest. No matter what Fantastic Four you're talking about, that's the wrong decision. <laughs> yes. Yes. It reminds me of if they took like the worst of Josh Trank and then like, OK, yeah. let's get some producers from Nick Jr. in here uh, and see what they want to do. <laughs> You know, kind of a thing. Is that face? <laughs> yeah, stick stickly here. Uh, remember the popsicle stick? No, they, I remember. They just it didn't well. care at all at Nickelodeon. Like, let's literally throw a face on there and call it face, and see if anybody. <laughs> oh, they like it. Okay. Yep. You know. Just... I read a book about the the creators of basically Henson Land, the creators of Sesame Street, um, called Street Gang. Came out probably oh gosh now probably almost ten years. ago. I'd love to see the the book about like how what weird stoners invented <laughs> like Nick Jr. and Nickelodeon and the yeah, yeah just yeah or even just Nick Jr. in general like all those shows from that era are so uh, well let's just say out there they're interesting decisions they're all coming back by the way uh, speaking of trailer drops because I, I believe at New York Comic Con they dropped the trailer for Legends of the Hidden Temple the movie. Which they Never are rebooting with Kirk Fogg. Yeah, I remember. I remember. By the way, it was um, it was a game show that was impossible. Uh, they it gave was. you like, all right, you've got fifteen <laughs> seconds to get through this obstacle course. Ready, go. It, oh, you didn't it make it. Even... Sorry. It was like our bit there from was... uh from the radio, but uh, not. Yeah, go ahead. It was that, and it was, like, really obviously rigged. Like, um, not only would they give you an impossible amount of time to run, like, a quarter of a mile through a maze, but they would, like, they just had what they call, like, temple guards, I think. But they would, they were just employees of the show. And if you got close to solving the maze, they would just drop down and grab you and keep you from solving it. 
Like it wasn't even. It would be like if you were trying to solve the final puzzle on Wheel or on Final Jeopardy, and you were starting to write it down, and some guy just walked in and punched you in the face that worked for the show, and they were just like, mm, "Jeopardy guard, sorry, they're rough around here." Like it was just so arbitrary and stupid. So that's coming they're back. They're making a movie, yeah, of it. They're making a Nicktoons movie apparently with. Jared Hess at the helm. Well, you remember mm. him from Napoleon Dynamite fame. Mm. Yeah. And Masterminds, my favorite movie of the year. You want me to... <laughs> yeah, we actually did an episode on it, but we couldn't air it because of the FCC yeah. wouldn't allow it to. So thanks to you, Richard. I bet it was good. It was good. I'll Thank say that. You. I worked really hard on it. I yeah. watched it four times to prepare it. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. Hashtag. No, I don't even know. Hashtag Richard. <laughs> uh, Richard loves Jared Hess. I don't know. We always get these we hashtags do. going, and I love it when they come at us randomly. <laughs> um, so that so that's coming back, and you so you got that to look, to look forward to. So Power Rangers is, I guess, one of the many properties that they're rebooting, coming making it come back. I thought it was still kind of active on TV. I that I thought the toys still sold. You know, I always see them. Uh, I got little cousins that really liked them growing up. For a time, oh, really? are they still? I'm not a serious question. Are they are they really still big with kids? I think so. Because I'm at that weird point in life where I'm not around kids. I don't have like little cousins or anything, so that's surprising to me. That's that's. that's I think for a time, like I said, for about a year of yeah, the little boys cool. are into it. You know, for I guess okay. a little sure. bit. Um, so we'll see if this works in any capacity with the masses. I just don't know if the draw is going to be there i can see kind of a fantastic four opening for it just kind of the critics hate mm-hmm. it like like despise it and then there's not enough you know diehard power rangers fans right. like there were not enough diehard right. fantastic four fans to keep it afloat for more than two weeks at the box office. Did, uh, we'll see. and and i'm sure this you guys know this and not me how did uh ninja turtles do the last one this past summer how did it do box office wise poor lily Okay. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't do very well. Didn't make a lot of okay. money. Look okay. up, look so up, I would look imagine those similar. numbers, Brian. I will. Out of the shadows is that what it was called? Yeah. Had a hundred and thirty-five million dollar budget, so it ended up making some money. Eighty-two domestic, two forty-five worldwide. But domestic really kind of kind of flopped. So. Mister yeah. Worldwide, good pull. Not good. So not good. Not a good sign for Power Rangers then. If. Yeah, see, I would see a very similar type gross for it, but but to be fair, I don't know. I don't think it has near the budget. Yes, that's accurate. I think they probably so, did give it I mean, a huge budget. Uh, you think out it got of the bigger? shadows? No, I, I mean, I think out of the oh. shadows had a huge budget. Right. So yeah. I mean, if they make it for you know half the money and it makes that, then they're thrilled. Mm-hmm. Oof. The, the Google is reporting. Power Rangers budget at 150 million. Oh no, so, no, that, wow. yeah, that no, seems wow. like a really bad idea, guys. Yeah, I mean, Ooh. I get. It. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you I, can make I, that for 60 million, then sure, yes. you'll make 120, and everyone's happy. But exactly, yeah. Right. This seems it, like a bad idea all around at this point. And it looks like Oof. it costs 11 dollars. Yes. Yeah, it looks like, it looks like Earth to Echo or something like that, like that level of uh, of. <laughs> Of money and first off, uh, those and... Johnny Cash rights are not cheap, my friend. <laughs> Let's spend the majority of the budget on that. I mean, money well spent, though. I mean, so I'm done with these kind of franchises, reboots. Um, 
I just don't know. I mean, this wasn't really a property that had much of a fan base to begin with outside of very, very, very young kids, you know. Um, This reminds me of G.I. Joe and the fact that it's going to come and it's going to be bad and they're just going to keep making them and we just kind of have to accept it and kind of doesn't know what it is and it can't decide Mm -hmm. on being a kid's movie or a good action movie and this looks to be no different. And it's just a weird take on it and I, I don't think it's going to be something that uh, is going to be a success financially. So we'll see. Yep, I, I agree. That's enough about that. But speaking of movies that uh, people don't want to happen, uh, we saw the first teaser of emojis, guys. They're making <laughs> the thrill. What makes you more mad? This or the minions? Be honest. Emojis? Uh, eight. I, I'm not convinced that it's an actual movie. I, I think it's like a funny or die kind of a, we're going to play <laughs> like, it's just the long drawn out bit that they're just going to release it and be like, it's going to be an idiocracy kind of, th- I don't know. It's going to, no, it's going to be like that Joaquin Phoenix. I am here. Like everyone was convinced oh. that it was real kind of a thing. <laughs> the whole time. Has intervened. The whole- Your Joaquin Phoenix thing just reminded me of my story. So that same guy, he loved Johnny Cash. We were talking about the Power Rangers thing with the Johnny Cash song. He loved Johnny Cash music, but only if covered by Joaquin Phoenix. He didn't like actual Johnny Cash songs. He only liked Joaquin, the, the Walk the Line soundtrack. That was his favorite That's artist. So of weird. Time. That's a very weird. I know. <laughs> really weird. Now, yeah. now you can see why it was worth sharing. I just spaced <laughs> on it. But Fade Intervening, you brought that up. Yes, that was he only his favorite band of all time was Johnny was Joaquin Phoenix doing Johnny Cash. Okay. Now we can move That's on. That's interesting because my favorite band of all time is Jamie Foxx doing Ray Charles. So it's good. <laughs> so he and I should meet. Where was I? See, now it's not that weird of a story to tell you guys. That that was actually appropriate. Now I don't remember where I was. Emojis. Oh, emojis is happening. Um, this makes me more angry than most <laughs> it's things. Worse than it, okay. It's worse than Minions? It's worse than Minions. Uh, right now, no, no, wait, Dude. actually, nothing compares to minions. That's true. <laughs> I'm just thinking, there about, was a guy who would I rather see somebody wearing an, a t shirt with emojis on it or somebody wearing a t shirt with minions? And Man. I would choose emojis every day over the, the minion. so, <laughs> so oh, a few years ago when we got into this minion talk really hot, there's a someone, a listener, which we yeah. love all of our listeners, that emailed us like well. really passionately. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> defending the minions and yeah. i would invite you whomever you were to email us back because that email that email was great and it it put kent in yeah. his place it was a <laughs> long time ago there's no way that guy still listens because kent hates the minions and, and he was very <laughs> serious about minions so there's no way i think that... about you at least once a week right now kent my kid is like he wants to watch minions and so we watch despicable me or despicable me too and i get it i literally I, as i put the disc in every time i just kind of giggle to myself of how angry it makes you like you're at your desk at work and it's like you just like feel it and you sit up and like oh someone's watching minions There's a one of my coworkers <laughs> had like a minion like funko pop on his desk and i just wanted to like go grab it and like throw it out the window at work yeah i really don't like them but this emojis thing I'm like I said. I think this is a bit from Funny or Die that is uh, long. <laughs> it can't be. It can't be real. Um, I don't see the animation. Well, look, well, speaking of it. something that made that looked like it was made by eight year olds. Um, yeah, the animation yeah. does look wow. Cool. It does 
It Boy. does look awful. I have no eye for these kind of things. I pride myself on being visually uh, stunted, but I can even tell that that is terrible animation. It's it's really bad. Yeah. It looks like it was made in about three weeks. Like, hey, we need to make an emojis movie. Like, yeah, after emojis Angry Birds for a came while. out. Isn't it? Isn't it funny that like maybe some you know with the new iPhone seven, some studio executive. This would be a funny hypothetical. Some studio executive finally updated their phone and got emojis, and now they're like, oh, we should make a movie about these. This is a great one, yeah. Well, I'm sure my son will be buying tickets day one, so just I think it started be ready with for that. The... Your son's 19, right? Yeah. He's 19. Yeah. The older one. Yeah. This, I think it started with the Lego emojis. movie making a ton of money, and then everyone just yeah. saying, what can we animate? Right. Oh, right. And Angry Birds made decent money too Birds so. i have to say daniel day lewis in lincoln logs does look pretty good <laughs> lincoln logs the sequel I mean, we all, all they're making it's um, spelled lincoln dot 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 logs question mark and it's daniel day <laughs> finally I, took a paycheck i think you know you laugh uh justin lynn is making uh hot wheels i think yeah they're doing a hot wheels movie i mean that's no. just gonna be knockoff cars like that's fine right Doing, guess how much money Angry Birds How much? Ours is garbage. Give it a guess. Worldwide, Angry Birds. From oh, 300, 300 million. Ooh, 347. $347 million. Wow. It's more than I, that's more than I thought, but wow. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's actually not surprising because we're, we're awful. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I awful hate humans. People. Like humans are <laughs> yeah. awful. Humans As made whole, minions what the they worst. are, so we can't trust so, humans. Guys, I I didn't think we were gonna do Trump ads in this in this show, but okay. We are. No. Actually the opposite. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. qualify. Um humans are awful. Vote for so and so or so and so twenty sixteen. Vote your conscience, we're all the worst. By the way, noted Trump supporter Ted Cruz loves <laughs> Now You See Me. By the way, he tweeted. He tweeted well, that it was that. a great movie, so we can mark it down. Ted Cruz, now you see me, great movie. But just wanted to put it on the record: Ted Cruz, now you see me, great movie. Okay, <laughs> moving on. That's true. That speaks for itself. So Angry Birds made a ton. Uh, emojis, I don't see making a ton. So we do have Hot Wheels on the way. Like I said, Trolls is coming out soon. Uh, this uh, Justin Timberlake, Anna Kendrick, Trolls, I think. Yeah. And uh, that's Very coming. It's coming, it's coming out uh, in the next few weeks, I think. Maybe. Yeah. Like this fall, Thanksgiving ish, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were on, uh, yeah. what's the show over in England? Because they were on with Robbie Williams, uh, the big talk show over there. Graham Norton. They were on Graham Norton, uh, Anna Kendrick, and Timberlake together. So it's got to be soon. Yeah. And uh, Barbie also coming. That thematically. is smart. That's actually really. They've been trying to do that, I think, forever. But the thing, the Barbie people wouldn't sign away the rights to it. I don't think they think they thought it would be represented well, or that uh, it was going to make money. But again, Lego Movie changed, kind of changed everybody's minds about these kinds of things. I'm just Mm -hmm. happy the Candyland uh, movie with Adam Sandler never happened. Remember when we talked about that? They announced that, like pre pre Pixels. Remember Pixels, by the way. Uh, pre pixels, they were talking about. I try oh, not doing, to, but yeah, sure. I have no memory of that. They were doing. Uh, I, I think we talked. <laughs> we had a conversation about. Oh, they're making board games into movies now because Battleship was a mild afterthought of a success, uh, at least on this show. 
and Brian, so great movie, great movie. <laughs> and uh, so, oh, we're gonna make a Ouija board movie. Oh, that's great. Oh, now <laughs> we're gonna make a Candyland movie. What other board games are there? Oh, Jumanji. Yep, let's reboot that one. And so they're doing that right now. Uh, and I'm just glad, like I said, Candyland not coming out. Are Thankful. you really protective of Candyland? No, I, I, with, I didn't know this about you. With Adam Sandler? No, not as a property. Yeah. I'm just thinking oh, what okay. a train wreck that gotcha. would have been that we would have had to... Absolutely. It would have been worse than Pixels. That's why I said pre-Pixels. <laughs> they did. Yeah. They talked about it, but then Pixels came out, and everyone's just like, nope, nope, we're not. I don't think we should do <laughs> Nope. Take your crap to Netflix. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but that's not happening. But I'm just excited for the Shoots and Ladders movie, because that's going to be... It's going to be an action adventure, I think. So we'll have to see He's how they... So, so lit. Board games. I mean, people just... they Monopoly, they've been trying to make that a mo- into a movie forever. Anything to get out of writing an actual idea. I think yeah. Monopoly is coming out... No, not coming out. It's been in development for like four or five years, or something like that. I don't know. Well, they want to get it right. Man. They want to get it right. Who's going to play <laughs> Uncle Pennybags? Is it Danny That's DeVito? Sorkin script. Yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> Christoph Waltz as Uncle Pennybags. Uh, the way that shoe talks to that thimble. I mean, it's... I know, it um, is. Well, that's a walk alone. and talk. Hey, <laughs> get it, shoe. Walk. It would be great if they did just as a bit to mess with us, like a two-hour walk and talk of Monopoly pieces across the board with a Sorkin script, and it's just going just like around a, the board. A long wiener dog talking to a giant. Uh, it's all animation. Yeah, <laughs> we could actually do that and make a lot of money. The completely animated. Sorkin walk and talk of Monopoly, <laughs> and that would make money. That's that's the kind of world we'd live in again. Wow, the tag good talk tagline for the Monopoly tagline for Monopoly is the movie centers on a boy from the game's modest Baltic Avenue on a quest to make a fortune. Who's attached I'm to so that? Old. No cast, but Andrew. Gadiga fame is uh, participating in the writing, so it's got to be good. It's got to be good. Is Miles Teller is Miles Teller the shoe? Okay, so Thank let's you. let's uh take a break and welcome our guest and uh, talk the girl on the train. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you: Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh, 
It's sourced from local farms, and there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now, and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So we welcome tonight a longtime friend of the show and a listener in her own right, Emily Tate, to the show. Welcome, Emily. Thank you, Kent. It is good to have you. And a friend of Brian's. And I believe uh, you guys go way back, so welcome and thank you, Brian, for uh, having her. But we're going to put you through the, I guess, uh, gauntlet. The ringer. The ringer. Yeah, yeah the Mad About Movies <laughs> gauntlet. Hashtag Mad About Movies First gauntlet. off, who, Brian, speaking of the ringer, who's winning this episode so far? <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> we are um, going to ask you a few things. The first of all, first question is have you seen now you see me so i haven't heard of this movie do you guys talk um, about it um have you been on the planet for more than eight <laughs> seconds because who isn't so, talking about now you see me? i mean international you, sensation yeah can you go to a mcdonald's so, nowadays without uh, hearing about it i don't think so so i've heard you guys talk about it That's forever and uh you know I, I built it to the point in my mind where I was like, there is no way this movie can be as bad as I'm expecting it to be. Oh, um, because I, just, I was just thinking of it as the worst possible thing I could imagine. And, and then it's all over to one day. And it was worse <laughs> than I built it up. <laughs> I think I spent half the movie with my jaw dropped just saying, wait, what? Like, I know, I know, I know, we know, yep, we, we understand, we feel it, we feel the pain. Kit, Kit did the same thing, but instead of going what, he just screamed at the producers. I screamed at the actual Summit people, I was like, that was basically worth what I paid, which was nothing. That's what I said. Well, it was worth free. It was actually, it was actually... I think I said, I actually feel like you should pay me for what I just experienced. Like, it was worse than free. I should have gotten paid for that. That's how I felt. But uh, that's a topic for another day, and we've already done about nine hours on it. So good luck with that in the back catalog. But it's good to have you here, Emily. I won't get you started on the MacGruber tangent, which was going to be the other question. And I will assume you have seen MacGruber. Um, but until then... Um, we need to get your thoughts on Girl on the Train and just kind of your background on this property. Um, I'm assuming you've read the book. Um, I have. Hence that you were a guest on the show, and usually they have some kind of insight. And uh, if you don't, then that's fine, and we'll kindly escort you <laughs> off right now. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm excited that you have because I have not read the book, and uh, I'm not – Gonna say the other guys have because I haven't asked them if they have, but uh, I'm sure one of them has at some point, given the fact that they're both literary 
geniuses. Brian, have you read The Girl on the Train? I have. Okay, yes. there you go. I was going to play the odds there. All right, one of you had. And Emily, what's your kind of thoughts on this property? Were you excited that it was going to be a movie? Was it kind of a book that was kind of sacred territory, or was it something that you saw coming? How do you feel about this going in? Yeah, I think they had already announced it was going to be a movie when I read it, so mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a shock. Um, I it's definitely a book that is worth turning into a movie. I, I didn't think it was sacred or or something that was untouchable. Um, it was actually my first Audible listen, I think, uh, oh. after signing up for that. Yeah, and the um, the Did audio you sign book- up with promo uh, promo code Mad. I did indeed. There you go. Uh, Look at that. Look at that. How beautiful that works. Yeah, now you're on the show. Amazing how that happens. Wow, there you go. Cool. Let your imaginations run wild, listeners. How did you like the audiobook experience, and how did you like the book as a whole? Yeah, so the book is is told from the first-person perspective of Mm -hmm. the three main female characters. So they actually had a different actress voice each section of the book whenever it was from a different perspective Mm -hmm. um so that was kind of cool but it also kind of set some things in my mind as far as how this would play out on a screen hearing it from from multiple characters um i am pretty lenient on books being translated to movies in general i know a lot of people can be really really hard on that um but you know i recognize that you can't put everything from a book into a movie there's just not time to do that uh there's a reason audiobooks are 12 to 20 hours and not two and a half to three um but it so in general i i tend to be be pretty lenient on them um i think that girl on the train was a was a very good one um the things that get me angry or frustrated with with a book to a movie is when they start to really change the intent or change the characters um and kind of their motivations and how things are going and i think that they stayed really true to that um they cut out i think the right pieces of the book um but what's hard about it is the book is is one that really relies on internal dialogue to help you understand the character's thinking and who they are and what's really happening. Um, and that's, that's really hard to do in film. They, you know, they kind of started with some of that, but dropped it pretty quickly. Um, yeah. And then I think my last kind of general thought going into it, I was a little nervous about Emily Blunt as the, the, uh, as Rachel, the main character, because, uh, Emily Blunt is gorgeous and awesome and the character is described in the book as not, uh, <laughs> as, you right. know, yeah. from it is weird. It is weird in the, you know, it's, it's a footnote, but it just says explicitly not Emily Blunt in the book, uh, which basically... I thought was a, a little on the note. <laughs> right. But... Yeah. Right. Uh, but I thought that she did awesome. Like, I th- think that they really did. They really did well at making her a character who, who, you could tell was attractive, but life had beaten her down to a point that she wasn't. And so, um, but a lot more in kind of there. details. Gotcha. Cool. Well, I'm excited yeah. to get into this. Um, Brian, we'll start with you, yeah. uh, guest of honor, it, your general thoughts on, I guess, maybe the book and, and the movie. 
So the book is not something I would normally read. It's more of like an airport read, I guess. Uh, but I'd heard that it was going to be a movie, and I love Emily Blunt, and uh, it was making the round, so I, I thought I'd give it a try. It's an interesting, it's an interestingly written book. I don't know that it's you know some sort of like great piece of literature by any means, but you know it's effective at what it's trying to do. And I I, I agree with Emily. I think it was primed for becoming a movie like it just seems like as you're reading it like oh this would make a really good movie it's interesting i was it by an author that was well known because i read that it debuted at number one on the bestseller list new york times and stayed there for a long time i was just like that's very weird for a first time book kind of right to to debut at number one like rather than getting there's some complaints around that there's some complaints around that um, that I've read and seen. It's I think a lot of people think that this was written almost purely to be adapted into a film and kind of the uh, the powers that be were behind it the whole time. I don't know. I haven't, I, you know, Brian and, and Emily would have to speak to that more than I could because uh, I, I, ha- I haven't read it. I read uh, novelizations of Draft Day uh, instead, but... <laughs> Because there's just so much subtext that you just don't, you know, look, you only have so much time. Anyway. Dissertations um, on draft day, actually. It just takes. Yeah. Critical theory. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, it's just, there's a lot to it. And right. And that's the whole point of a critic, right? Is to not just <laughs> let the artist speak, but to also, you know, sort of aid that in anyway. Sorry. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so it, I, but I have heard that I think, I, I there are people that say the fix was in for this book all along because it was an unknown relatively unknown author book like debuted at number one, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you know, maybe maybe uh something was afoot, but I, I, I don't know. Honestly. I, I think it was either. just one of those freak viral things that for whatever reason struck gold. I, I mean it could be a whole part of the, the machine, but um it seemed to come out of nowhere and all of a sudden everyone was reading it and everyone was having to read it. And, um, so therefore I stayed away from it for another, you know, six months mm-hmm. after that. But, um, I thought we told you not to argue with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is fine. It's okay. <laughs> Protocol B. Yeah. No, okay. it, that's crazy. It, it's right. just funny that it, like it was printed from day one with now a major motion picture on the cover of yeah. the book, <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah, I think it got optioned before even the release date. I do think that actually happened before oh, it even came crazy. out. I want to. Yeah. You're right. How do all, how does that happen? I don't know. I that's just crazy. I guess. I mean, I w- I mean, I'll be non cynical. I mean, maybe the production. I mean, the publishing company was just really high on it and took it to. Yeah, you know their film sector. Copies, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm happy to be naive on that. I just I that's probably I, what uh, happened. I You're probably right. That's just crazy for an author. I don't know if they were the author was well known. That's why I'm asking for that to happen. I, I had never heard of her. Not to say I know everything about uh, novels, but you know, I, I hadn't right. heard of her before. I didn't know women could write till until this book. <laughs> Actually, that's a groundbreaking scenario. No. <laughs> Uh, you're a huge Harper Lee fan, only Harper Lee. So kind of a limited <laughs> amount I do of like, stuff that you can read, but you you do love right. some Harper Lee over and over and over again. Same book. <laughs> a couple of years ago was big for you. What was that book? <laughs> right. That came out? Uh, Go tell a Watchman. Yeah, yeah, that was I the did. biggest day of your life. I, I think you were quoted as saying my that. Community, I kept telling him. I kept going up and being like, "There's a new Harper Lee book." When you camped out for 
seven months. It was, I don't want to say dramatic or drastic, but I mean, it was dedicated. Yeah. I mean, you were dedicated to it. I would say appropriate, yeah. I mean, kind of appropriate. It was appropriate, actually. That's a good word for it. All right. So, Girl on the Train, now a major motion picture. And this is something that, um, I don't know. I don't know what to think in a way because I didn't like the first half nearly at all, but it Same. grew on me a lot. And towards the end, I was like, this is kind of good, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, and I kind of despised it for the first 20 minutes. And uh, mm. it really had to work to win me over, but it did. And I'm glad it did. But um, I'm just, for somebody that didn't read the book, I was just like, what? Why? You know, why? why is there so much narration and so much exposition. What is, mm -hmm. what's happening? Uh, why, why is she acting like this? And they go on to explain things, you know, later about her background or Emily Blunt's character's background uh, and why she has these obsessions and things. And that's why I found it more interesting later. But right at the beginning, it's like really jarring at the, you're kind of throwing it, throwing you literally onto the train and uh, mm -hmm. you, you just kind of in this world. And I just found the narration to be, I don't know, not pretentious, but kind of just expected in this. Like, oh, every movie that's a book has to have a narration so that we know mm -hmm. that it came from literature. I, I like you said it was told from a first person, and I'm sure that's why it's like that. And uh, so that's kind of refreshing to know. But I just felt found it kind of cliche for that to be the case right from the beginning. I was just like, ugh. I just like knew. I I don't like I don't want to sit through two hours of narration and like her mm -hmm. talking about her feelings and I just I couldn't do it so I'm glad they abandoned that kind of I don't know how long it took them to abandon it from day one or how long it lasts in the book but I feel like they kind of abandoned it or at least till they go to the other characters and they kind of work it in more naturally but again from the beginning I was jarred and something that really jarred me I don't know if you guys picked up on this or had any thoughts on it whatsoever the score of this. Danny Elfman. And I was just like, something's not right about this movie in some way. Something about the tone of it, you know? And I couldn't put my finger on it. And then I Not enough realized... white face paint for an Elfman score? <laughs> no, I realized it was Elfman, but Elfman was going for like a... I don't know. Like a Lifetime Amy Smart movie kind of a thing. Like with the... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just kind of a, something you'd... Get out Redbox or something, you know, just not like a with something with any kind of artistic flair. It just was the most by the books kind of score that I didn't expect, and so that kind of like cheapened it for me. Um, and they just I'll get my complaints out of the way right now. Um, they tried to do some more artsy, I, I guess, um old stuff with the cinematography and the way this movie was shot but it i didn't like like the shallow depth of field and stuff at a lot of the times like there's again for the first beginning of this movie you're zoomed in on somebody's face for almost half of it and when when you are all like only the the cheek is in focus for i mean i'm looking at it you know like i can see that it's not in focus and i'm trying to look at this person and i never trying, noticed this stuff it's just trying it to be yeah. it's trying to be so much more artistic than it should be or has the right to be if that makes sense i just it was just like what are they going for but like i said it was like almost like somebody else stepped in 
45 minutes into this thing and was like, nope, I'm taking over. I'm going to make this movie. And somebody else completely made the movie from the, for the last, I guess, hour and 20 of it. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, whoa, how did that, how did that happen? How did it turn so fast? Why am I all of a sudden liking this? So it was kind of a weird experience for me in the theater. But uh, I left this this um, screening with more positive emotions than I had anticipated when the movie began. So that's kind of my general thoughts on it. Um, we can get into specifics later, but I'm interested in your general thoughts. Uh, we'll start with Richard, actually. We'll throw a bo- uh, wrench in it, actually. Go ahead. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, Ken, I, I share a lot of your thoughts as well. I thought it was like eight different movies in one. Um, you know, I, I haven't read the book. I'll, I'll fess to that, and uh, maybe that would, would help. Um, I thought the, the acting was, was really great in this, and I thought it was, it was um, you know, well done and well made in, in so many ways. But there were so many ways, uh, Kent, that felt, you know, the thing that's great about Gone Girl is, is Gone Girl takes something that could be kind of your average uh, TV movie and really elevates it uh, to a really fun theater experience. Whereas this, I think, just feels really, t- never really elevates beyond that. It just seems like, wow, this TV movie got an awesome cast. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I was thinking to myself while I was watching this, I was like, okay, if instead of Emily Blunt, if this was Carrie Mulligan, like, would this be good? You know, like, would this would this be something that they would have thrown out, like, like around February, you know, kind of a thing, and it just would have came yeah. and gone? Would this be anybody be talking about? Like, the fact that Emily Blunt is such a great actress and so respected, it gives us so much credibility. Like, like I said earlier, way more than this deserves. I just, so that's, I guess, a positive for them that they could market this to the, the Oscar Beatty kind of crowd, because she does... She gives it her. I mean, she's not messing around in this movie at all. No, she, she is she's, going for it. You know, no, she's great in it, and she's great in most things. And 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 and, but you know, Thoreau's good, and and Haley Bennett's great, and it's a great cast. It's just it never really uh, it never really transcends the kind of pulpy material. It's it's a fine little kind of pulpy movie, and I don't think it's it's awful. It's not going to be in my worst twenty movies of the year, but it's it's not. Uh, it's not kind of what it, I think aspires to be in a lot of ways, but uh, there's some fun in it and, 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 and all that is, is, is devious and, and cool. And there, there's plot twists, which are, which are great. And uh, uh, kind of so obvious that they're unseen, I guess, coming, I would say, I mean, I, I, I can't admit to have seen, seen, you know, I didn't know anything going in. I can't say I saw them coming, but when they came, they were a little bit disappointing, if that makes sense. Uh, that's sure. all I'll say on that front. But um, but I think Gone it shows the power of that someone like David Fincher has. What a director does is something like Gone Girl, kind of a similar. Um, and it's obviously going to be compared, sometimes justifiably, sometimes not. Right? They're 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 really powerful female authored books. That doesn't mean they they're necessarily the same thing, but they are. They do kind of operate in the same kind of pulpy uh, space, but. You know that is someone that where the director can really take it by the horns and make it great. And I just I was kind of waiting for my my Fincher to come along and and save this. You're right, Kent. It does take turns towards the end that make it certainly better. But I don't know if it ever got good. Oh, okay. Uh, Brian and Emily, or or Emily. Let's start with Emily. Actually, go ahead. 
I'm ready for you to lighten up the room a little bit because I was feeling a little <laughs> dark. I need some positive energy. Yeah. So I think um, a lot of what I hear you guys saying, I felt too. And I think part of that is what they had to cut out of the book. So the that first 20 minutes that you're talking about um, is probably, if I were to go look back at it, um, well over a third of the book, mm-hmm. maybe getting closer to half. And mm-hmm. it spent a whole lot of time. Don't sell me too saying, hard. Right. <laughs> well, no, it actually reads way better than, and, and so I think they cut it down correctly, but it spent way more time setting up the characters and who they are and like making you care that they exist before jumping into the plot. And the the last half is really when the, the meat of the plot jumps in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, the first part of it was spent, you know, a big chunk of it was spent with Emily Blunt's character, Rachel sitting on the train and seeing, um, Megan, the, the girl who eventually went missing, um, seeing her from the balcony over and over and over and building her up as this perfect person with the perfect life and the perfect husband. And you start to believe that this girl is the perfect, happy, loves her life. And then, you know, and then when the rest of the book happens and different things start changing, it, it, it's way more impactful and shocking, but because of timing, they just kind of threw all of that at you in the first opening sequence with a, with a voiceover segment. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that that hit quite as well. It didn't carry the same weight or give you that same, um, that same feeling as the book. Mm -hmm. And then I can see if you haven't read the book where that would just feel like, what is going on here? There's so much being thrown (laughs) these characters and exposition. And, um, so, so I agree that, 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 that didn't necessarily play as well. The other big thing kind of from the first part, I was really pulled out of it for a little while because they switched the location from London where the book is to New York city. Um, and I don't completely understand why they did because the city really isn't a character in this story. Like, you know, like it can be. Um, but, and then with Emily Blunt as the lead starting in a British accent, all of a sudden when everyone else started having American accents, they got really confused for a little bit. And, yeah. and it took a while for me to like figure out what was going on and that they had changed the setting. Um, so that may have been when your music issues were happening, but, um, mm-hmm. So that was a little jarring. I don't necessarily know why they did it. It didn't ruin anything because the city isn't that important, but it was just kind of a, it, it just pulled yeah. me out of the movie yeah, I've way heard, more than it would. I've heard some complaints about that. I just like, well, well wh- wh- why do we hate England now? Mm-hmm. Is like, that's the, like, what's the, what's the issue there? It just it seems kind of pointless, honestly. Well, it's interesting to hear you say though, um, as far as what you, your comments on, the beginning that's that's good to hear too because i was kind of i mean i might literally start with the first sentence or two that are spoken from her saying this is the most perfect person in the world you know this girl that she was watching from the train you know i was just like why how you know i i would have wanted to know more why uh, i would have wanted to, to discover I, her, I agree with her her obsession with uh <laughs> this girl like what she did that made her that way or like she one day she noticed her and then it just she kept doing stuff that you know what i mean it just 
It was well, all and of a she sudden she was obsessed like, right from the beginning, and I guess that's what I meant by just throwing us into it. And it, it just kind of like things really escalate. And I get that this is a movie, and I'm sure like a lot of people in the studio were like, "All right, well, we need the murder to happen like within 30 minutes." So uh, if it doesn't happen <laughs> within 30, then this movie's not going to be made. You know, basically kind of a thing because we need to introduce it, have the murder, and then spend the 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 movie finding out who did it, right? That's the movie. Uh, so it, maybe that's the reason why I was kind of soured on the beginning. I just didn't have enough context, and there wasn't enough buildup to the action. But I'm kind of glad. I didn't want a four-hour movie. Um, <laughs> I didn't want this 20-hour audiobook like you did, but um, that's fine. Uh, anything else generally that you kind of enjoyed about uh, this movie? Anyway. I yeah. thought I thought the visual like the visual tone of it fit very well with kind of with my book. mental image of it. As far as I mean, even as far as like the colors that they used and the way that the little I don't know where the uh kind of suburban area was supposed to be outside of New York, but um kind of the that suburban street and the tunnel that they walk through and all of those things. Um I think I think visually, um, outside of your, I, I get your issues around the the framing and things, mm-hmm. but um, I think the the set, the production design, design yeah, set design. Yes, that's the word I was. I agree. For. Yeah, um, it felt that, like it I think was that a real neighborhood. I don't know if it was. I mean, it felt it felt legitimate. I mean, it felt like it reminded me of that movie Prisoners. Remember that movie? Uh, Dennis Bill mm-hmm. and the Wave, and uh, it was with Hugh oh, Jackman yeah. a few years ago yeah. and Paul Dano. Uh, good one to revisit, by the way, if you can. But it just felt this felt like authentic, like it was actually happening, like we were actually witnessing these events, rather than like a kind of a a, a reenactment, if you will. I don't know. It, it felt it felt very authentic from that perspective. I do agree with you there. Other than that, from story perspective and all of that, I, I think that they did. I think they did a a good job. Um, you know, again, I, I think we've kind of said a couple of times. You know, the book isn't the most fantastic book I've ever read in in life, um, but it's it's enjoyable, and that's kind of how I felt coming out of the movie was just like, well, that was that was an enjoyable little ride. Um, yeah, it was um, it was a ride. Brian, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I I think I'm more on Emily's side than I am with you guys. But except for Kent, I'm with you totally on the first half. The first 20, 30 minutes of the movie, and it might be partly for me that I knew it was coming, and so you're just like, all right, let's get on with it. But um, I thought the point in the book of that is to present uh, the character, the Megan character and, and her husband as this perfect character, as this perfect person and this life that you have to aspire to and that she's jealous of and all that. And it, it kind and through that, in the book, through that, you you kind of see how miserable uh, Rachel's life is, or, or has become, rather. And in the movie version, it's it's much more, for that first 30, 45 minutes, it, it just seems like we're just kind of making Rachel the worst. And she just is, it's not just that she's depressing, like, she's just an awful drunk, and you really don't want to spend any time with her, and it, and it becomes especially as we're doing like drunk camera and she's staggering through the park and stuff like that. It kind of leaves you feeling spectacular. Now we're just like, okay, I'm not saying this is a bad performance by any means by, by miles Teller, but it's just such a beating to watch that I, I'm just kind of 
I'm done here's a question with it. for I'm you though. Out early on. On topic. Here's yeah. a question. Um, better performance. Uh, <laughs> the cup or the bottle? Because the bottle with the straw. I mean, in this movie, kind of. It. I mean, it held right. its own. It was the best supporting actor, I think, or actress. Right. I, think, I don't I mean, know. It's a, it's a but it, solid performance. It just doesn't have the charisma of the cup. Exactly, and and it. it it relies on that straw quite a bit. I mean, that's right. like carrot top. I mean, it's kind of prop comedy right. at a certain point. Yeah. Whereas the genius of the cup is that it's by itself. Yep. Um, every once in a while, at the appropriate time, it uses a lid, and <laughs> it just brings. It just the heat. does a job all the time. Yeah, just... Never fails <laughs> to not have liquid in it. You know, like it's just doing it day in and day out. Just asking, the cup just is doing a pro. what it's told. The cup is an absolute pro. Yeah, and... not you know what the, you know what the bottle is not very reliable. You cannot rely <laughs> on those daggum things. You lose the straw, then you can't drink out of it. Then you're carrying the lid around. It, it's just not something you want to get involved in. But I noticed Plus, the bottle made a strong cl- appearance yeah. in this movie. It was yeah, its cl- best performance in a while. Yeah, right. But the cup clear is liquids so- only. Clear liquids only in the in the yeah, bottle. Exactly, because it has to be water, right? Everyone has not to very versatile. Not very versatile. So, I guess but. she. I mean, I'm not an alcoholic, thank God. Yeah. Um. Yet, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, is that something that's common with alcoholics? Is drinking vodka yes. straight? Yes. As water. That is. I that's, mean, that's very that's hard. That's hard with people who really have have a problem. Yes, that's that's pretty common. How did you feel that she was represented in the movie, uh, Brian and Emily, as far as the angry drunk? Uh, were you more sympathetic than you should have been? Like, how was she drawn in the book? Was she uh, somebody you hated in the book? Or because I kind of, like, despised her in this. I kind of wanted no, her. Yeah. I kind of wanted. Uh, <laughs> exact opposite. The exact opposite yes. to happen. And yeah. it's just, like, um, kind of disappointing when it didn't. Yes. So. I think in the in the book she's more it's it's like sympathetically pathetic in a way like you you do feel sorry for her and you you want to see you you want to see whatever happened to make her this way it's it's pretty clearly on in the book that like she is this way because something horrible happened to her and in the movie it just it kind of comes across as like you know well she <laughs> she couldn't have a baby so she became a drunk and then she got divorced and now everything's miserable and she's the worst you know and and that I think that's just trying to um, boil down 200 pages of, of a book into into 20 minutes. And and so, you know, I appreciate it because, like, like you said, I don't really want to spend four hours on this movie. But it did leave it in a place where I love Emily Blunt. I think we all love Emily Blunt. And this is a she's very, very good in this movie from a, from a performance standpoint. But for the first 30 to 45 minutes, like you're not excited to see emily blunt on screen right like you're just kind of it's it's kind of a beating to watch her go through this and her character is is i don't know that it's necessarily poorly developed it's just maybe misdirected it, it kind of goes in a way that is opposite from the book at least for me and i i did not enjoy that part of the movie <laughs> wow interesting to hear you say that do you have any thoughts on the drunkard uh emily uh, yeah, I pretty much echo what, what Brian says. I think you're way more sympathetic to her in the book. And I think for me, that translated to the movie because I knew who she was. So I started right. off more sympathetic. Um, right. 
But because it's all from her perspective and they spend so much time setting up her character, you get that, like, her life has been done to her. And that, you know, she, that this is, she's not necessarily this way just because she's a terrible person. She's, mm-hmm. she's had, had a tough life. Um, and, and the movie just immediately jumps into, no, she's just kind of a, a drunk and terrible person. And it takes way longer to get to anything that's somewhat yeah. redeemable. Um, she still comes across as completely insane and crazy in the first half of the book. Um, right. but it's, it's more of that endearing, like, Oh, poor girl. Why can't she yes. just get it together? Yeah. Not why are we looking at you right now? So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's, uh, I guess a bit of mystery at the beginning, uh, about this girl. Um, who is this girl on the train, you know, that she keeps seeing every day that her, uh, that Megan gets obsessed with. Basically, if you haven't seen the movie and again, we always suggest seeing the movie before listening to the show, but if you haven't, the movie, plot-wise, I guess if you could lay it out without spoilers, would be Emily Blunt's character rides the train every day to work, uh, and she sees this woman uh, through the window at her house every day, and she starts to notice her. She starts to pay attention to her habits, um, and she becomes a woman that Emily Blunt really admi- desires to be like. Uh, and sees like I want a life like that. I want a home like that. I want a husband like that. I want a kid like that. And so she becomes insanely jealous. And then she notices one day that uh, the girl that she admires is with somebody else. I guess another man. And she's mm-hmm. completely shaken by this uh, because why would she cheat on the perfect husband, the perfect kid, and all that? And uh, I guess she finds out more than she wants to know. Um, my question was, and should we hit spoilers now before going into more of uh, the reasons behind all that? I mean, there's a lot of spoilers in this, to be honest. Well, like I said, mm-hmm. after the first 20 minutes, it's like, well, a murder's happened, and it's kind of, things get real. So, spoilers now coming up, but you've heard our general thoughts. Uh, this is one definitely worth checking out and revisiting and, and coming, getting our thoughts on, because there is a lot to talk about. So, spoilers coming up. For the girl on the train. Um, my question was, uh, why did she know in advance that uh, this girl was the girl that her husband was with, it, her ex-husband was with? Does that make sense? Or was that just ha- all happenstance that that worked its way out? Like, was that something she she discovers along the way? Does that make sense? You getting my question? She dis- yeah, she discovers that at the same point that she does in, in the movie. Okay. Um, okay. So she's that's a that's a big reveal. Like that okay. that one you don't see coming until the I very end. Yeah, I didn't know if that was the reason she started like watching her in the first place because she was like, "I'm going to see what he's up to," kind of a thing. You know, does, is that is that why? Right. Well, that's why she was watching the street in general because uh-huh. her ex husband and his new yeah, wife yeah. lived in her house down the street, um, and so it was like she had her house a couple doors down and then fixated on this couple that was, that seemed to be everything that she had wished right. her life and would have so been. She, okay. So I didn't know she had suspected that from the beginning. So that's why she was like, I'm going to see what's going on here. It was, it was just, it was just all kind of circumstantial, I guess. So that, that's what I was right. asking. Okay. So having said that, um, things get real. And, uh, <laughs> how do we feel about how the supporting cast worked out here? How uh, we have, 
Justin Thoreau. We have Luke Evans. We have American Treasure Allison Janney. We have Haley Bennett in like the fifth movie we've seen her in this year. Uh, we we <laughs> saw did, her in she did Hardcore music and Henry. lyrics, and then yeah, Hardcore Henry, she, and we saw her in Magnificent Seven uh, two weeks ago, I believe, mm-hmm. in, a, in a large role. So the year of the Bennett, she did music and lyrics with Hugh Grant, and then took seven years off. Yeah, <laughs> and then did every movie in 2016, which I kind of respect. It's all good. I mean, yeah, must take I'm a, a big lot fan of her, by the way. And, and, and she's she's the goods. I like her. Also, Lisa Kudrow making a cameo, but an appearance, if you can call it that. (laughs) That was some kind of appearance. Uh, Uh, Lisa Kudrow back in the uh, fold. I'd like to see her pop up every now and then. We love love the Phoebes. So how do we feel about the supporting cast? Um, I thought it was strong, if not as strong as Emily Blunt. I thought Rebecca Ferguson and Haley Bennett were great in this. Allison Janney definitely brought something to the table. Um, I have some words about Justin Throw that I'll throw off maybe a little for even further into spoilers in case some people are still hanging on for dear life here past spoilers <laughs> that haven't seen it. It's like, God, just stop doing that, people. Just please, for your own good, see these movies. Don't take our word for it. Make your own opinion and then come back to us. Uh, so... Yeah, that's how I kind of felt. How did you guys feel, um, Brian? Uh, just general thoughts on Haley Bennett and Rebecca Ferguson, the two other females that sure. are in the mix here. You know, I think it's a great cast. It really, just looking on paper, this is a fantastic cast. I don't, I, I'm disappointed in that for all of, uh, there's a lot you can criticize about the help, but I think Tate Taylor did a fantastic job with that of giving several different actresses a platform and an an opportunity to really act and really show um what they're good at and he you know that's that's something in hollywood right like we talk all the time about uh all these these actresses that we really like that we think are very talented and then they get these characters that are just miserable and they just there's nothing to really do with them and it just kind of always feels like they're locked in a box I thought the help is an exception to that. I think he did a very good job with it. So I was expecting the same here. And instead, I thought Haley Bennett was great. And she was really given an opportunity to to work. But, like, I was disappointed in Rebecca Ferguson's character. I thought her character in the book is has a little more depth to it. Um, but it just was kind of played in a an odd way. I I don't really know how to how to criticize it because it just it had this this tone to it that I didn't I didn't expect and I didn't I didn't I didn't really care for, um, and even Allison Janney who I who I love I love I thought she, uh, probably could have used spent this time doing something more worthwhile. So I I just didn't think anybody was given a great chance to to do much beyond Emily Blunt and uh, and Haley Bennett. Wow, I I didn't know that. Um, that's, that's an interesting insight. What did you think about, um, Haley Bennett, Brian? I mean, uh, Richard. So, yeah, I, I love Haley Bennett. She's one of my favorite, uh, young actresses. I think she's, she's beautiful and awesome. And I'm a big fan. Uh, we should talk about Luke Evans too, who I yeah. also think is beautiful and awesome. And I'm a big <laughs> fan as well. Yeah. Um, and so I think I, 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 I'm so pumped for him as Gaston next year and he's one of my absolute favorites i i he's awesome 
Um, uh, but uh, but Haley Bennett was was fantastic. I think she's really somebody to watch as sort of, and this is like kind of like I don't know if it's just like sexist or demeaning of me to say I'm trying to, but she's kind of like the J Law light. Like if mm-hmm. you can't quite afford J Law, like just get Haley Bennett, and that's I don't mean that as an insult to her at all. I really don't. But um, and and there's that on the on the male side of things too. I think if you can't afford Matt Damon, you get Mark Wahlberg. It's the same kind of kind of sure. thing there's no there's there's that that's there's no real shame in that i think it's it's fine there's the, the b team is a fine place to be and i think we'll continue to see her her work for for a while um but yeah i was i was fine with the ensemble and and ken i'm interested in what let's go ahead and do big spoiler because i want to hear what you have to say about Thoreau because i'm i'm interested to see if it's a it's the same thing i thought because uh because i have thoughts as well go ahead well what i thought about it was i was it was obvious that he was going to be the killer right at the end it was, i mean it, that that's how i felt i mean just the way he was cast the way he he appeared in this movie the way he was carrying himself i just it wasn't a it wasn't really surprised at that twist or if you want to call it a twist it was just kind of like when is the reveal coming kind of a thing that this is he's the reason behind this or what what happened uh was that supposed to be a huge reveal, or was it kind of supposed to be obvious? I think it was, and I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, it was. I'm with you, I'm yeah. with you a lot. I, I don't. I, think but when the reveal it. happened, I was just like, really? Like, is there not one more huge twist at the uh, end? Like, yeah, I don't know. I was talking about it earlier. Well, they were kind of out of characters at that point. Uh, you know, yeah. we'd already mm-hmm. we'd mm-hmm. we'd figured out there's you know it's a small cast, and they had already ruled out true. the other in it. So it could be. I was just honestly, I thought it was going to be Emily Blunt at the end. I would have been more surprised by that or the, mm-hmm. her realization of that. Just kind of like, how did it happen? Because she didn't remember, you know, kind of a thing. Um, sure. Maybe that's what I thought, or maybe that's just what I wanted deep down. And when it was the other way around, I was just like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. Thank it's all, it's always about anything. a scorned lover, isn't it? It's always about like, you cheated on me, or I loved you more than her, or. Uh, just kind of a, I don't know. This is more of just a man being sex obsessed, or guess. I mean, just being a horrible person than it is like <laughs> yeah. about her being uh, Rachel being a horrible person. Like he's not doing this for revenge on her. He's doing this because he has his own demons, you know, kind of a thing. I, that's how I felt. Yeah, that's one thing that that I was a little. I think my biggest disappointment from book to movie was. um a lot of the stuff that they had to cut out around him and particularly the relationship with Rachel. Um, so in the book, he is like straight up sociopath and like has a whole other life, has a different assumed name. He has made up an entire family. He's made up a military history. Um, and they play up all of this stuff. You know, they, they touch on it in the movie, but around, um, you know, Rachel being a drunk and then he would tell her the next day what she had done. And they talk about that way more through the rest of the book and keep that a theme of her blackouts Mm -hmm. and all this stuff and all the terrible things she does. And then it it basically ends up that no, he had basically been drugging her and then doing all these terrible things and then telling her she had done them. And that's part of what caused her psychosis and, Mm -hmm. and the stuff, you know, so all of that in the book was like, more so even than him being the killer, like everything else surrounding that was a way bigger reveal. Um, yeah. You know, all all of the times that he, you know, 
there were 25 phone calls from an unknown number that, you know, they thought was Rachel and you find out later it was Megan and like that stuff was played up way more. And so, um, that was, I wish that they had a better way to do it at the same time. Even as I say all of that, if they were to try to fit that into the last 15 minutes of the movie, I think you would walk away going, what the crap just happened? Like what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden this guy's making up names and has a, you know, you know, I don't even know what, remember what all it was, but. Um, Maybe they could have done some kind of, in that voiceover at the beginning, when she's going by her old neighborhood, talk about her ex-husband and how he has all these names and he, you know, you kind of hint at it or mention it without maybe going into, I would have liked to known that. I didn't know. I thought he was just like, oh, well, the neighbor's hot. I'm going to go over, I'm going to walk over there. Yeah, and I was like, "Why yeah. is people? Why are people getting murdered over this?" You know, I just didn't understand like the depth <laughs> yeah. of yeah. the situation. And like he had somehow he was responsible for her not being able to get pregnant. Like I think he had sabotaged all their IVF attempts, and oh, I mean, no. like yeah. he was like yeah. truly horrific human being. Yeah, that um, needs to be and, in the movie, <laughs> right? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, and second wife Anna, the other the other one, which she was just kind of. I mean, honestly, she was just underutilized i think like there just wasn't yeah. much for her to do but she was essentially a sociopath as well like in her first person stuff it basically was you know she she pretty much got pregnant to make this guy stay with her but she didn't know that he was a sociopath and so then they like built this little crazy life when they're both insane and mm-hmm. um you know a lot of nuances at that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think, no, I, you're right. I mean, that's tough to do, but that's like so much more, like I was alluding to earlier at the beginning of the show, it's like, there is a plot twist, but it's like so out there in the obvious that it doesn't really feel, it's a little bit, it leaves you a little cold. But when you add all that subtext, what you're telling us in the book, you know, now the hair is standing up a little bit on my neck and that's a little more interesting. Right, Kent? Yeah. No, maybe this better script maybe would have helped. I don't know. Yeah. I mean... I don't know who to blame Look, for it's, that. It's yeah, it's always hard to take a book and and adapt it for the screen, especially like you said, Emily, one that has as much internal monologue and narrative as this one does. But that's like like that's where a good screenwriter and a, and a and a good director comes in, right? Like you've got you've got to figure out how to whittle down uh, whatever four or five hundred pages into into 120 pages of script and then you've got to pace it correctly and that i think that was part of the the missing that's part of what's missing as well is like you kind of focused on maybe the wrong things and didn't give us enough with i didn't think we got enough of luke evans character to really get a, a feel never. for for him never, yeah, totally know, never do never do um and and it really played justin thoreau his character more as less as certainly less as a as a sociopath and more as just a uh, I don't know, like just a horny dude who, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it just gets a little, get, got a little crazy. And it's just like, that's not, I don't care if that's what is in the book or not so much as that would have made a more, would have made a more interesting movie. No, I totally agree. And I want to talk about uh, the end of the movie where it got interesting to me is like when they told the story about the, the baby dying and everything and the bathtub and I was like heartbroken at that moment, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I couldn't even watch, you know, like it was, was it was bad. Uh, It was brutal. I mean, I can't even imagine some of the more stuff in the book. I mean, that that's just one thing they chose. I'm sure of the stuff that they talk about, but I mean, that was, it was tough to watch. So 
I was kind of like, why am I feeling emotion right now? You know, like uh, it was not. You always not. think that though. I didn't, I always do like, yeah, actually. Uh, when I watch, can't ask movies. out loud. Like, why am I feeling emotion? What is right this now? emotion? Uh, <laughs> never felt it before. We. Uh, <laughs> another thing I wanted to mention was the actual murder when they show it. Uh, brutal too. Couldn't watch it either. Yeah. Just the face stomping and all that. I was like, yeah. just why, why, why? I mean, at least Gone Girl, they they slit the throat and it's a, it's done. Like that's it. Like. Yeah, there's blood everywhere, but that's like that's it. That's the murder. Mm. It's not like oh, we're gonna bash your face in. Then you're just still gonna be alive, and then I'm gonna come kick your face in some more. <laughs> and this is a right. man beating a woman, by the way. It, it's not an easy thing to even grasp in your mind, let alone see it on screen. So it's uh that was brutal as well. So I was just kind of like shocked that how violent and crazy it got um, all of a sudden. So was that played up? too much for the movie i don't know you tell me somebody on the other don't remember i don't remember it in the book i don't remember how that played out it does seem a little out of place because i mean this is definitely an r-rated movie stomper the end right right (laughs) 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 well and then they followed that with the uh the corkscrew stab and oh my gosh yeah. and i i did not i wasn't prepared for those <laughs> you didn't, you didn't yeah, see the corkscrew cool. coming either i i not forgot that level of violence right like yes. that was, well, what reading, yeah. reading that was a little easier than watching that i have to say when the undertaker music hit i was kind of <laughs> like when the stone cold stunner was dropped i did not expect <laughs> it but it actually added to the movie it did add it it added it something add. to this the corkscrew is brutal. Like, she does it, yeah. and then the guy's dead, or whatever, and then the wife comes and does it more, you know? And then when the cops come, and she says, I pled self-defense, and they ask about the, the witness, she's like, she, she told the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, basically, yeah. like, I'll let you get away with murder here, because you're right. Uh, that's kind of a good way to end this movie, you know? Uh, it was kind of, like, justified in a way. Like, she is kind mm-hmm. of a revenge story. Doesn't don't you feel that way? Is that is that yeah. well? Now that I it? know, now that I know the subtext of the novel and what a you know crazy sociopath the male was, it's like okay, now I'm all for. I was a little torn, <laughs> thought it was a little extreme, and now I, I want. I, like, I wish worse. I hated. I hated. I wanted Emily Blunt to be the murderer because she stole the baby out of the house, like took the baby <laughs> and left it like on the ground. I was don't like, what is the ha- baby? What? I I was floored. I could not believe that that was a part of who she was or what something that had happened to her and she was still like walking free. I don't know. I've just shocking. Things were shocking. I guess that's why this book did well because it was a page turner, but mm-hmm. um, we've talked a lot about this. Do y'all have any more thoughts or things you liked, disliked about uh, the girl on the train? That silence means the that qu- we're going to hit the, grades. No, I wish. And I think Kent, you could side with me on this. Um, the Danny Elfman score was great, but I do wish there had been, there was plenty, but I do wish there was more Quad City DJs. <laughs> there wasn't. There was some. There was never yeah. enough, though. Is there that's ever enough? Every, that's every yeah. movie, though, guys. Like it's You're not right. really there. fair to criticize this one for not having enough Quad City DJs. When I feel like every movie we we come well, out saying this. True. Every movie since Space Jam, anyway. <laughs> 
But if you name your movie The Train, I'm going to expect. <laughs> Come on, you know, The Train. I'm going to expect Quad City DJs. So it just like, has credits roll. It's it's trained by Quad City DJs. Yo, deep down south. Yo, we play this that. game. It's the Quad City DJs. And yo, we call it The Train. That cost Richard. us a thousand bucks. Sorry. <laughs> worth that it. Out. No, I think worth it. No, I think we'll keep it. All right. Well, let's hit grades here. Um, I hate to do this. I'm gonna give it the old patented Kent Garrison. Oh no! No! Oh whoa! I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm gonna give it a. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a B minus. Um, I wanted this to be an A. I wanted this to be Oscar worthy. I wanted to be talking about this as a Best Picture nominee. To be honest, um, maybe we'll be talking about Emily Blunt or some of the supporting cast at some point. I don't think we will. I don't think we will. Yeah. I don't think the this maybe Laura the, Prepon, but <laughs> I don't think well, this the same is the, as every year, same song, different chorus, <laughs> right? I don't think this is the Academy kind of a movie, or no. I think there's just going to be too many performances that are going to outshine this. So that's sad. So B minus, a little disappointed. Uh, Richard, uh, you know what, Kent? I'm going to echo you. I'm going to go B minus as well. Uh, Emily, what about you? I'm going to go straight B. Uh, I didn't, I don't, I didn't love it, but I I definitely didn't hate it. I didn't go into it thinking it would be an Oscar worthy movie because I don't think the book was the material for Oscar worthiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was decent. Is this kind of a book and uh, like, not to say, not to compare it, you know, thematically or anything, but is this kind of like a 50 shades of gray kind of a book where it's just kind of like a, guilty read you just kind of you know it's kind of like a i don't know to say tabloid kind of a read but you, does that make sense like it's kind of like everyone's talking no, about it it doesn't matter if it's yeah. good or not because it's just kind of like fun to read you know it's just kind of like murders it, here and you know affairs <laughs> there you know you kind of have a thing i don't know I, was this it, ever like a book that was good or was it just kind of like a viral thing you know it's way closer to gone girl to me like i mean yeah. I, like Talk about talking about them movie wise in the mm-hmm. same breath, book wise as well. I felt like I was reading Gone Girl again. Cool. Yeah, well, that's good. Like Maybe that's I'll check accurate. out the book if it's better. If you see, so the book is better than the movie. That's what you'll you can say that I guess, right? Yeah, I th- I would say so. Uh, Brian, what's your grade? Yeah, I'm going with Emily. It's I'm going straight B on this. I I thought when I read the book, I felt like the movie could be better than the book. I guess I I, yeah. I felt like it was primed to make a good movie. It just this isn't it. I feel really. like there is. A it's good not, movie and it's fine. Here. It's nothing wrong with it. It's it's yeah. it's a it's perfectly reasonable, right down the middle type of movie. This is kind of like a you go see it at 11 a.m. four weeks after it's been in the theaters kind of a movie, mm-hmm. you know? Sure. Like, this yeah. is not You a, rent it yeah. when it's raining at the beach. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly. a good one. Yeah. Or you've, yeah. yeah, it's been on a lifetime, you know, for an hour, but you catch it, you know, channel <laughs> surfing, like, ah, wow. Well. You know, kind of yeah, a, it, it exactly. really is like the greatest lifetime movie of all time. Like this is, <laughs> I mean, it, it, well, it I have a whole it. list that can debate that. But okay. <laughs> Obviously, you didn't see the uh, Full House uh, behind the scenes. <laughs> Tell uh, all. Saw because, it. Own yeah, it. I own Never that one it. too. Yeah. Blu-ray all right, and laser discs. Let's move on and let's uh, talk weekly recommends, guys. Weekly recommends. Okay. Emily, weekly recommend. 
Yeah, I'm going to recommend an event. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like movies. Um, and one thing that I've done every year for about the last seven years, um, AMC Theaters does a marathon of all of the Best Picture nominees every year. Um, it's called the AMC Best Picture Showcase. You can do it over two weekends on, on two different Saturdays or a 24-hour marathon back-to-back. Um, it's a blast. If, if you if you like the Oscars, you like those kinds of movies, even if you don't, it's fun to, to sit in with a bunch of movie nerds and park out in a theater all day and, and watch some movies. Wow, that is cool. I did not know about that. I'll have to keep that in mind. Shout out. AMC, hook it up. Uh, Brian, what can you recommend? Yo, I've been a I've been binging a TV show over the last uh, few weeks, and uh, Richard was kind enough to let me borrow the DVDs, and it is also now available on HBO streaming, whatever app or uh, product you use to watch HBO. It's Larry Sanders show, and it's fantastic. I'm I've got one and a half seasons left out of six so i've, hey, I've gotten through have probably, to talk with about it yes i've gotten through about 70 episodes and it's been it's been glorious uh shanling is just so good but so is rip torn and and so is jeffrey tambor the the three i don't know richard and i've talked about it a bunch over the last couple of weeks um the three of them are all doing incredible comedy and it's all incredibly different and the the way that they're able to blend those three styles of comedy is Oh, it's just on another level. So I'm, I'm loving it. I've, so I've really fr- enjoyed watching it. Friend of me and friend of the show, Matt uh, Fry, who's a who's a, a a nice nice fella. He is an Entourage super fan, and he is currently watching Larry Sanders as well as a w- means to connect with me further and try to be a better friend with me. Who wouldn't want to be? But he says that um, that Jeremy Piven is the best part of Larry Sanders' show. So obviously, Uh-oh. we can't be friends. I've got to cut that guy off. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's dead, though. That's funny. Uh, I have gone back and started to watch it on HBO. I saw that it popped up. Awesome. This is so, so awesome. I, I My probably life watched, is complete. I probably watched, in one sitting uh, last week, I probably watched five episodes. Uh, it's greatness. The Garden Weasel bit, just right from the start. <laughs> it's just yes. like, you know yes. this series is just going to grow into something. I mean, it's just so on the nose for late night and – the commentary and everything. I mean, it's as good as a late night show, but better because it's all the behind the scenes too. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's really, really good. So Larry Sanders show so ahead of its very time timely. Too, man. Yeah. So ahead of its time, maybe the best, like one camera show ever the yeah. first and the best, yeah. like it's kind of crazy, uh, how well it holds up, uh, this far. No clicking, down no clicking guys. All right. We no clicking. Uh, Richard, go ahead with your recommend. Uh, you, I hate you, and I love you, Brian, because you stole mine as well. So let's just, we'll just do, I'll nice. just do Larry Sanders show because I've recommended it a bunch of times on here, but now it's on HBO now and HBO Go. Go watch it. It's the best. It's my favorite show ever. Um, it's between that and Flea Market Flip. So it's one of those two. <laughs> Speaking of how random you could get with your. That's pretty good. pretty random. Hey, look, I, I oh, love Paris Spencer. Really First one that came to mind. <laughs> Flea uh, market flip. <laughs> Obviously, oh, Emily's, no. seen it. Emily's seen it, right? Emily, come on, back me up. I actually have. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes she's, she's not laughing. She's like, "What?" Tender, it works show. out. Yeah. <laughs> you've seen I can it, see right? It Emily, you're female. <laughs> um, see, 
uh, profiling works. That's what I tell the government <laughs> all the time. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Larry Sanders show is great. Kent, what about you? Love you. Missed yeah. you, Kent. I haven't seen you in a long time. You're you're living on the dream because you've got the Cowboys that are they're rocking and rolling. Kent, <laughs> what is your weekly recommend? Yeah, I have barely gotten to watch my shows because of it, but mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of my pilots, stories. speaking of, and oh, so we're no. going to have to talk God. next week probably about yeah, pilots no. because uh, they're here. <laughs> With the, it's our worst game of Russian roulette. But... <laughs> Have yeah. you watched any, Richard? Have you watched any podcasts? I've watched a few, and time? honestly, if it was, if we did the episode Russian Roulette style, it would be great, because I would root for the bullet. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's actually probably the best pilot year in the last five years. And yes, that's, yeah, isn't that weird? It is yeah. weird. That's not saying anything. That's not a compliment, really. It's just how it is. There's no I, Mysteries of Laura. Which is yeah, great. I have watched it's so several so much better episodes. than I thought they were going to yeah, be. Yeah, I've watched yeah. several that I was like, I'm I'm not I don't actively hate myself right now, which has yeah, never happened yeah. for me when doing these. I actively <laughs> hate myself ninety nine percent of the time when prepping for these episodes, but this year was different. But to be so fair, a- there's not a whole lot that I'm like, I could watch this for seven years. Yes. It's yes. just like everything's like, meh, all right, that exists. Cool. Right. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, all right. Good for yeah, it. That's good. Um but yeah, so prep yourself for that. Okay. Which is oh, yeah coming loud and clear uh but our, our one of our favorite listen to episodes every year and our least favorite to do so it's a good <laughs> dynamic speak for yourself because it's my favorite and like i said i enjoy myself 99 percent of the time when i'm prepping for love it. mysteries of war <laughs> talk is I that do. still on by the way it's mysteries it of war is. Still i think thing? it's like i think it's no, still no it got canceled no got there's canceled. one of those still on not mysteries of Laura, John... but there's a. Uh, was it Bad Judge? Like one of those was <laughs> no. on a, as of like a a couple months ago. Mysteries of Laura is in season three. I think it ended this year. Kent's going through his box right now. Season okay. three. <laughs> oh, it's it canceled doesn't have for season, season three. Yeah. It just yeah. got canceled. Yeah. It just got two seasons. It made two seasons. Four and wow. half seasons too much. Yeah, one of the, yeah, like, one of the like, worst pilots of all time, if not the worst pilot of all time. Like, so. Wow. It sucks I don't know. Have you guys seen MacGyver's pilot? Is that I was, have? Uh, is it whew. is, is Forte in it? No, it's major disappointment. Yeah, it's a huge disappointment. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it, but we should get out of here. Um, yeah, so that's my away. my recommend is watch the pilots because we're going to be talking. Yeah, so about you them. can join in the the misery with us. Okay, uh, Emily, thanks for joining us. I loved your insight on the book. You had great thoughts on the movie as well. Um, I'm surprised that we all came down very similar grades because uh, I was afraid I was going to be the only one that had anything not so great to say about it. But I'm glad to hear that uh, didn't live up to your expectation of what it could have been. So that's <laughs> I'm glad good. you were all disappointed. But, no, I'm, I'm glad uh, I wasn't alone because I was like, well, obviously I didn't read the book, so I'm not going to like it. Like That's how I felt about it. So I'm glad to say people that did read the book weren't too high on it so that's great um but i'm disappointed that we all did, couldn't give it an a because again oscar season we like good movie so thanks again for joining us where can we find you online uh you can find me pretty much any social media at the daily m e m the daily m wow you should trademark that do you post daily <laughs> uh not even close to that so, so it's, it's not truth in advertising is your point it's pretty much a lie 
So you're basically the same sociopath as in Girl on the Train. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> same person. Your own logic. Boom. The exact same person, I'm sure. No, no issues <laughs> Absolutely. at all. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for joining us again at the Daily M. Find Emily. Where can we find you, Brian? Yeah, you can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden. You can find me on Snapchat at Richard Barden. You can find me on Instagram at Richard Barden. You can find me anywhere at Richard Barden. Uh, and uh, you can find me on the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter, which will uh, which is doing great, and we're so pumped. Emily, do you subscribe to our newsletter? This how I of course people. I do. What a pro. Look at her. She's so I, She didn't have a choice. I signed up everyone on my email list. Just anyone okay. in my Gmail contacts I, is uh, just... I tried to unsubscribe list. like three yeah. times, and I kept getting added back, so I finally uh, just gave up. Did it, give you your, did it give you your notification that you've joined the I when you tried to unsubscribe? <laughs> As I programmed yourself. That's the um, great bit which... we have against Brian, is we sign Brian up for every email list we can find. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. My favorite one, Emily, because you may not know, you're not privy to our horribleness, is that I've signed him up for the Scott Brothers, like the HGTV. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the joke's on you because it's awesome. So. <laughs> Fair enough. But I've signed him up for that like seven times, and it's it's always funny to me. I want to see the emails Brian gets. It's like, whoops, Ken Richard must have signed me up for something. It's just, <laughs> honey, can you explain this? It's Ken Richard. Just probably signed me just up for something. Ignore it. Just ignore it. Free? Ignore it. Pre-order your Pitbull tickets now. Exactly. <laughs> Not the Pit rapper. We're club. talking dog fighting. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get out of here. Thanks, uh, everyone, for joining us. Next week, we'll be talking... Eh? I think we're doing The Accountant. Yeah. Oh, the Ben we'll Affleck pilot. That's right. We've got, we've got a lot of it. We need to... We need to crank out these extra episodes that we're promising. We have been listening. storing up a lot, lot so to get we need to crank them out. Yeah. Okay, we will do that, and uh, we'll see you next time at the cinema. Goodbye, everyone. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs.